0: Now it's time for the LinkedIn Jesus Transformed Podcast. Regurgitating
1: Bible verses. I want to know if you really understand what it is that you are preaching.
0: But what are you saying? Because all I'm hearing is some new age, one size fits all crap. How do you stay away from the Bible if you're going to preach? I need someone who will look me in the eye and tell me how to find forgiveness, because I am running out of time.
1: Now, here's your host, Jeff Roderick. Welcome to the LinkedIn Jesus Transform podcast, episode six. And uh, today we've got a special guest, Gary Rogers, who is going to give us an amazing story of transformation uh, that transpired with him. But uh, Gary, you know, actually played in the Canadian Football League from 1994 to 1999. So he's got some professional football background there. Um, he's, uh, now a real estate agent as well, but he started a ministry or at least it's become a ministry over time called check your game. And, uh, check your game is a great podcast that's, that's done via video, something like what you're seeing here, as well as audio. If you're only listening to the audio on this podcast, the same thing, he, he uploads his podcast as well, and you can hear some great stories of transformation And uh, so, first of all, let me say, welcome, Gary. Thank you for joining the the Transform Podcast. Of course.
0: Thank you, Jeff, for having me.
1: Yeah, very cool. Very cool. So I don't know your whole story. Um, I Obviously, I don't, but I have picked up on a little bit of it. And from what I understand, it was roughly around the age of 26 for you that something happened that kind of made a pivoting point in your life and kind of changed your life. Um, I want to hear about that, but before I hear about that, I would like to hear about 25 years old and before who was Gary Rogers back in the day. I know you played sports and I know that you ended up playing Canadian football league, but, but yeah, bring us up to speed. Who was Gary Rogers before this 26 year age pivoting moment?
0: I was born in Pittsburgh. I was raised in Cincinnati. I've got three brothers My parents were great people. They supported all the things that we did in life. For me, it was sports. As I went through the years and the different levels of sports, my identity became uh, more and more identified as an athlete. I went on to play college football. Of course, I played all the sports back in high school. I was, I guess, better in football. And so I ended up getting a scholarship to Vanderbilt University. And then in college, you know, where you should be putting your education, that should be like a priority. My priority wasn't that my priority was football, and then became myself. And then I don't even know if education, I mean, it was there somewhere, because I needed to pass to playing games. But um, so I go through, I'm going through life, identifying as an athlete, and then trying to please, you know, make myself feel good. And so those things were a part of my story that did not Helped me to get to a better place. It was, I call it Gary's path. My path wasn't a good path. And so, you know, up until this age 26, and by the way, I grew up in a Christian home. I went to church. I went to um, Sunday school. I was part of like young life in in high school. I was, I became a Christian. I became a believer when I was younger. And so I truly humbled my heart. My heart was bowed and I accepted Jesus. And I knew I was going to heaven, but we have free will. And so I was just doing my own thing. And so I strayed off the God path. Approaching this 25 years, I was finding that these highs in life I was after and my sports, the satisfaction that the sports could provide and that the highs in my life could provide were getting less and less and less until I got to a place where I was laying in bed in an off season, miserable. I felt I was rock bottom and I was miserable.
1: Wow. Wow. All right. So to call a timeout and sports sportsman's talk. So when we talk about Gary's path and um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to touch on it just a little bit and you, you open up with whatever you're comfortable with opening up of what Gary's path is. But um, I relate to that personally. I relate to that. Um, I live Jeff's path, not Gary's path, but I adjust path for, for a big chunk of my life. There are others out there that, that probably have similar experiences and, and could be blessed by hearing a little more of Gary's path. Are we talking about partying? Are we talking
0: about uh, drinking and, and and other stuff maybe? Yeah, the party scene was a part of it. Going through high school, I was, I was really a good kid. I, I followed the rules. I obeyed everything. But my senior year in high school is when I started slightly partying a little. And when you abuse alcohol, I don't care who you are, There's never a good result. You don't do any, there's nothing good that, um, that you can say the next day, look what this brought, you know, it's usually the next day, like, man, what did I do? What did I say? How did this work? How did that work? But anyway, the drinking, the partying, the girl situation, um, I knew what was right, and I knew what I was doing wasn't right, you know, so I was back and forth.
1: Yeah, so when you were young, and you had uh, accepted Christ as, as your Lord, when that time of Gary's path was taking place, was God a part of that lifestyle? Were you going to church? Were you doing things? Uh, or or was it more just internally, you knew that you were going to heaven because you received Christ, and, and then you still continue to just live your life out how did that look as far as spiritually goes
0: i think if it's like you take a pot and you put some water in it and you turn up the heat i mean it's not boiling right away right Mm. it's slowly getting warmer and warmer and warmer and that's what happens i think to all of us i don't think immediately we just change we're like i was like you know god was was first but you know what slowly, I was just getting on this other page and I was pushing God out. They didn't have as much time. I was still going to church, even though I was um, in high school, so I was living with my parents and that was just the way it was. Sure. But, sure. Um, but it's really about your heart. Who cares about going to church? I mean, it's not about checking boxes. It's about what's really happening inside. And so slowly inside, I was just pushing God out.
1: At 26 years old, um, you, you talk about this pivoting point, kind of talking about hitting a, a rock bottom at that moment. Can you describe that rock bottom and then talk about that pivoting point of what happened and what changed at 26 years old for you?
0: You get to a point. It's like, you're looking for a, you know, peace and contentment, but you're like, you're not finding that you try to get a new high and then you don't get as content you get, you know, you keep on going after these highs. You got to have more of this and more of that. Eventually. The straw that broke the camel's back. I bought this four-wheeler. I bought a plow uh, for the four-wheeler, bought the trailer. Okay, I call myself Snow King. When the snow starts to fall, give Snow King a call is what I had in this little pamphlet. You're gonna give me an earworm now, Gary. I'm gonna have to sing that all night long now. (laughs) Yeah. And and so I had these um flyers made up, and I was like, Yeah, this is gonna go great and stuff. And the year before in Cincinnati, I heard friends saying, We paid off our bobcats. It was so much snow and blah blah blah. And and I'm like, Yeah, I'm gonna make some money. Well, I tell you what, hadn't snowed for a long time while I while I own this um this equipment, but then finally. They say 100% chance of snow, of a major snowfall. And I'm like, hey, Snow King is on its way to making money. And I couldn't wait. I went to sleep. And so I just remember waking up in the morning, the next morning, and looking outside, I don't see anything. Where is the snow? The snow hardly filled the cracks, right? Just missed us. So that 100% means nothing. That was a part of my mix that really pushed me to like, nothing is working. There's mm. emotionally inside, I feel like miserable. My inside was just just miserable now on the outside if you saw me i had money i had a car i had things right like lots of us see that kind of stuff shiny stuff i was shiny i guess you could say on the outside as a professional athlete that's pretty cool but man i wasn't shiny on the inside at all there was nothing it was dark in there and it was miserable wow
1: so so this uh, constant Chasing that fulfillment that you were not feeling—that you you thought it was just this next thing right around the corner—and if you could just do this or do that, or if 100% snow would fall to the ground, you're gonna you're gonna get past that hump of this emptiness that you're feeling. And one thing after the other after the other, whether whether it actually happened and still didn't fulfill it, or whether 100% snow became probably zero percent chance of snow, um, you were sitting there left feeling empty and helpless at that, at that moment. So what did you do? I mean, you're laying there and you're laying there in bed, right? You're kind of self-reflecting and you're like, man, I've tried this. I've tried that. I've got these shiny little object things all in my life, but I'm still sitting here feeling void.
0: What would you do? I was at my parents' house, um, getting ready to go back to, um, play football. There's this promise keepers event, which is like a men's christian event and my uh, my mom said but your two brothers are going with your dad why don't you go and i'm like not a chance there is zero chance of me going i remember praying and i prayed a fast the fastest prayer i said god i said if you want this to happen you're gonna have to make it happen amen but at the same time i wasn't on the page of praying and i wasn't on the page of reading my bible Mm. but i did pray that prayer And what happened the next morning? One of my good friends, Dave Rogers, calls me. He said, Hey, Gary, you want to go to Promise Keepers with me? I'm like, Yeah, sure. I didn't even put any thought into it. I literally was like, Yeah, sure. When I look back, that's what happened. It was an easy thing to say. This guy is cool, easy going. I didn't feel any pressure from him. That's what happened. Is I went to this Promise Keepers, and then you know the football coaches, lots of other professional athletes speaking and other coaches. And somebody got up there and man, something penetrated my heart. Well, God allowed this to happen and say, Gary, you need to change. This isn't the path that you need to be on. You need to recommit my life back to Jesus. And, um, and that's exactly what I did. I recommitted my life. He had never left me. You know, once you become a Christian and you've truly done that, he doesn't leave you, but you can leave him. You can walk away from that path. And I just said, Hey God, get back in the driver's seat, you know, like I'm going to follow you. And so that's what I did. That was step one. So promise keepers, first of all, you
1: went from a hundred percent chance of snow to 0% that it happened. Then you went from 0% chance that you're going to promise keepers to a hundred percent. You went uh, due to Dave Rogers, your friend that happens to share your last name, but does not have any relation to you waking up and inviting you to go. And now you show up at promise keepers hearing all of these different messages, can't even recall necessarily who the speaker was at the time or what that specific message was, but you know what God did inside of you, which was to say, Hey, Gary, I know that you have accepted me as your savior, but you're not making me your Lord. You're not letting me be the driver of your life. And there lies the problem of what you are feeling like you are missing is you've got an empty driving seat right now of your life. And so at that moment was that uh, uh, was that a defining moment where you walked away from that saying, you know what? I'm done driving Gary's path. I am now going to let the Lord lead me. Is that was that at that moment or was there still a a a transitional period of that temperature coming back down
0: well at that point i made a drastic change i did some big changes at that point that was a big uh pivotal moment for me and then god allowed me to see i saw in my life as an athlete going back there to play sports i i said i gotta i gotta change this up you know what am i doing and so what i did is god first and then God allowed me to make some changes. And I and see, these are some specific changes I wanted to make. I wanted to take a Dale Carnegie course because I was afraid to stand up and say my name. I, I was wow. you know, afraid, terribly afraid. So that was one goal I wanted to do because I was thinking my education, college. I stood up one time at Vanderbilt University, and that was so hard for me to do. And in my education, I didn't take it seriously. I had a free ride, full ride, and did not push push myself and think about my future. I just didn't do it. That's my fault, right? And so I thought, okay, education, Dale Carnegie, I'm going to do that. I wanted to buy a house, fix it up, and sell it while I was still playing football. I wanted to stay away from the party scene. I also wouldn't take advantage of my situation with like relationships. I'm going to treat others how I would want them to treat me. So there's about five things I wanted to do before I went up to that, to um, to play that season.
1: God obviously started working on you at that very moment and giving you a new heart and new desires as the Bible says that he will do. And one of those desires, I believe that came from that moment was a desire to start something called check your game. And um, check your game, obviously it it sounds very sporty uh, coming from a sports background. When check your game was birthed, was it the same check your game that we have today? If we go to checkyourgame.com, is it the same same thing you were doing in the beginning? as what you're doing now, or was there a transition period even within the check your game uh, ministry?
0: Okay, so what I had started in the very beginning, in the purpose, the meaning, and all that stuff, is still the same same definition, the same you know examining of one's game of life. Um, now the products. Or service is that kind of part has changed. But as far as the intention of what got started, how it got started, what I did in my life, and where it is today, it's the same thing. And I'll tell you, so that same season, I'm playing, I'm out there, I'm in practice. Um, you know, it's on the first string and we're going against second string offense. I was a linebacker on the outside, an outside linebacker. The offense had their, their play. It was, on, it was on two, like down, set, hut. Hut, you know, and after they say hut a second time, the center snaps it. And once that ball moves, the play is gone, right? It's not about the count, the noise. It's about when that ball moves. It was a play. It was on two. They say down, set, hut. And when they said hut, everybody to my right all went offsides. All of them, all my defensive players, all to my right. Now I didn't go offsides. My eye corner of my eyes looking at that football and I know the ball started the, the play starts when the football moves I was focused I was thinking about the play let's so focus on my job but what happened within that real short time was in my brain I went down the line of my of my teammates and my players so I love my guys right but and I'm not trying to judge them I looked down, and I said, "Next door to me, I said, you're out there getting drunk at the at the bar the night before. Next door to you, you're smoking weed, man, before mm-hmm. you're even getting to practice. Next door to you, you know, like I just knew some things. I knew my teammates, right? I'm not saying I wasn't I was perfect, but sure, I'm just sure. saying I knew these choices that they were making outside of their sport, it was affecting their sport. And mm-hmm. I realized for the First time in my life as an athlete, I was finally able to give my very best. The lights went off and I'm like, wow, I'm giving my 100%. What the 100% was about was me shining on the inside. I felt peace. And I knew it was because months before when I hit rock bottom, I said, God, take over, be in charge. He allowed me to see the areas I needed to change. And I took action with this area, that area, the the areas that were in the dark places that were hidden for a while, I got in there and turned the light on and I started changing them and God allowed me to change in those areas, which then allowed me to give my best and check your game came through that. It wasn't trademarked. And so, okay, yeah, check your game, check your game. Sounds catchy. I'm like, I think it kind of means something. Like, let's look up the words in the dictionary, check to examine. Your, it's about oneself game is about a sport, a business, a passion, and also the game of life. Mm. I realized just then that when I hit, after I hit rock bottom, you know, I checked my game. I examined my game of life and I looked at all the areas. Everybody's got different areas. I looked at all of them and I did something about it. I'm going to take a deal. Carnegie and work on my education I'm going to say no to the party scene. I'm going to treat girls better. I'm going to put God first. And what was the result of that? Check your game moment. I was able to stay on sides. Mm. I was able to discover peace, contentment. I discovered a hundred percent. I'm getting chills by the way, thinking about this, but it's just the way it is. God allowed me to figure it out through my own life, a lot of years, highs and lows and this and that. And then, you know, some rock bottoms and some changes. And he allowed me to figure this out. And so what started Check Your Game's Meaning and everything behind it is all the same as it is today. I basically, I share people's stories and, and so that they can encourage others who are on a similar path. But the difference uh, or where I started and where I'm now at is that I asked them to brag about God, whether it's in your in their testimony or how God has brought them through the mess, because there is nothing. There's no one else. There's nothing else. There's no product or service or motivational talk, nothing else that can help a person other than bringing God in the mix. You want you want, you want that solution? You want that lasting solution? You need to bring the God of the universe, that God of the universe, the one who sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross, that God, it takes a humble heart. It takes your heart to bow down and say, God, come in my life. I believe you sent your son to die for my sins, and I want to ask for forgiveness. Come in my life. So not only do you have eternal life, eternity, but also down here on earth, God, man.
1: Yeah. Amen. Amen. And you know what, Gary, your check your game. um, it, It reminds me of a biblical verse of examine yourself to see if you are in the faith. And that is really what you did. Um, And you realized you weren't, God showed you that you needed to surrender yourself, get yourself out of the way so that he can take over. And that's where the fulfillment that you were missing was going to come from. And since then, he is doing amazing things through you and your ministry with Check Your Game and allowing others to be able to share their story and hopefully reach other people who are also desperately saying what am I missing? Why, why can I not scratch that itch that I just can't seem to get to? What is that thing that I'm, I'm, I'm feeling void within. And, um, and I'm so thankful that you, that you came to that realization and you, God gave you a sports analogy by allowing you to be on the field, recognizing that your life was offsides, And yet when you give it over to him, he's on sides. And all you have to do is surrender your life to him. And therein lies, therein lies the challenge, right? It's so hard for us to allow something to be bigger, more powerful, and more in charge of our lives than us. And yet when we do it, we're left empty and void and, and wanting. And when we surrender it over to him, we find exactly what it is that, that we've been missing. When, when you hear these stories on Check Your Game, is there a particular story? I'm going to put you on the spot. But if I were to say, Gary, is there one story that jumps out at you that you say, if I could define what God is intending Check Your Game to mean, what, is there a story that you can give us?
0: Well, you know, I'm glad to be put on the spot. I really am. A long time ago I couldn't stand up and say my name, but today. It's a <laughs> Thank you, Dale story. Carnegie. <laughs> Thank you, Dale Carnegie. Um, so what's interesting is I can't necessarily say one because what happens is that people share, I've heard a lot of people sharing their story. And then I would hear people say, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if this is very good. Let me know if you're okay with it you know, because a lot of times people feel like they need to be having a story that's made for the movies, they feel like they need to have some kind of like, I used to, um, you know, not be able to walk and now I can, you know, I'm the fastest man on earth or something like, (laughs) so I so what happens that people say that to me. But then when I go through, and I read these stories, I say, this story is amazing. I can't wait to share it, because there's others, they might be an alcoholic, or they can't, or they're in this miserable spot because they've had some issues with the party scene and the girls. There's some real stuff that is really comes out transparently with people. And the more transparent a person is, the more I'm just like, it's amazing. It's amazing. But then what's even more amazing is when you incorporate God and that transformation that comes that God of the universe has helped them to get through this mess and to get over this mess. And they've gone through it and they want to share it and encourage others. So I don't know if there's a specific story. I love every story. And I tell people, your story is valuable. It's important. It's going to be encouraging. God can use your life and your story to encourage and impact anybody i really do love them all i'm really thankful everybody that shared their story i
1: love that you you just reflected god's heart you know uh on the walls of heaven he has our stories every one of them across the board and there's not one that sits more important to him than the other they are all equally important and uniquely different and um and you just gave a very, very amazing answer that represents what I what I believe God would have said in that same question. So thank you for that. And if you wanna be encouraged by other people's stories, you can visit, it's checkyourgame.com, correct? Gary, checkyourgame.com. Yep. Yep. And um, I believe you have it in a way that it's organized that somebody could even put in what they're struggling with or, or, or what it is that they feel they would love to hear some hope based upon their own story
0: yeah check your game.com and um, when you hit that front that home page click on life stories at the top there's a search it says search and filter with an upside down triangle there's three boxes the first box is categories the second box is topics let's just say you're dealing with um, I don't know peer pressure just click on peer pressure and so anybody who has talked about peer pressure in their story will come up on your page. Of course, for those who want to share their story on the homepage, there's a button that says share your story. Now I take people through a process. I ask people to share their story. Once they share it um, through written form, I ask them to do a Zoom video. If they choose to do that, great. If not, that's okay as well. And then I ask people to nominate two people. So it's a way to encourage uh, two others in the faith community to also share their story. And I keep on that with that process. And as well, somebody can put their business card on the bottom of their profile. And there is a business community on the homepage called Bill's Corner, named after my dad. And that's a special group of men and women who they might own a business, they might have a book, they might be an author. I am creating this special business community. Um, that I am just proud to support. And I want to connect others to at least giving them wanting to give people the opportunity to use these men and women. They're um, you know, humble men and women and they're transparent and they want to give back. And that's a special group of men and women, I think.
1: Wow. So So that's Bill's corner. And that is where there is a business network there of people who have shared their story. Um, Christian based businesses, for the most part, I would imagine. Um, And when you recognize the person behind that business card, oftentimes people do want to do business with a person more than they want to do it with a business name. And, And so to being able to get on your site, see that person, understand their story, and then recognize, hey, I've actually got a need for what this person does. What a great way to be able to reach out and, and have that as a resource. Um, I appreciate you letting me flip the tables here with you. And uh, you're usually in this seat doing what I'm doing. And, uh, and so this time around, it was it was, a, it was truly a pleasure to be able to hear your story and to be able to bring it to so many people. And, and I know it's going to be an encouragement um, to anybody out there that, that has felt that struggle, that void of trying to fulfill that missing piece with just the next shiny thing or the next thing that they can possibly do and forgetting about God in that entire equation. So thank you so much again, Gary, for coming on and, and sharing your story. Yeah, thank you. All right. Well, thank you again to Gary Rogers. That was uh pretty cool. And like Gary said, there is this constant agonizing ongoing emptiness that anybody who has not received the love of God and and personally received that, they're going to continue to feel this empty void. And and people chase money, people chase cars, people chase uh, you know, men or women or whatever thinking that this is going to be what fulfills them and they find themselves empty at the end of that road every single time. And God is the answer. God is the answer. But to get to God, we have to bridge a big gap. And that big gap is what is known as sin, the things that separate us from God. And so, anytime that we've done things in life that are sinful, and and our conscience can tell us when we're doing things that are sinful, but for example, when we look at somebody and we lie, we know that's sinful. We're creating a gap, we're creating the separation. Um, If we've taken something that doesn't belong to us, we've created more separation. we felt feelings of hatred towards somebody we've created separation and the list goes on and on and on. In fact, you can look at the 10 commandments and go right down the list and really self-analyze and, and see how much gap have we created between us and God. And that gap is the void. That is the void that we are seeing and feeling that that we're missing something is this gap between the creator of all things, the creator of you and me, the creator of all things and us. And the bridge to that gap is that God himself gives us the opportunity to close that gap through the love that Jesus Christ provided to us. God himself gave us a way to bridge the gap by becoming the baby Of Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, never created a gap. He himself never committed any of those sins. But what he did do is he lived a sinless, perfect life, but then went and suffered a brutal beating and was whip beaten, tortured, and hung up on the cross to pour out his life's blood. And every drop of blood that he poured out was closing the gap between us and God. And when Jesus Christ died upon that cross, he said his final words, he says, it is finished. And when he says it is finished, he means I've closed the gap between mankind, human, and God. It is finished. Now, what God says is you don't have to receive Jesus Christ and the payment that he paid for us upon that cross. God loves you enough to not force anything on you. He loves you enough that he desires and wants you to receive that payment by simply confessing and forsaking all of those sins that we've committed, that created that gap, turning and and going the other direction, repenting of those things, but then trusting in Jesus and what he did on that cross. The way we would trust a parachute, we would strap it on and we would trust that it's gonna save us from the fall. That is what God asks. Trust in Jesus. Confess, forsake your sins, turn from them. And when you stumble and you tell a lie again, correct that. Say, no, that's not the truth. Let me, let me re-say that. Let me correct that. Turn from those things and turn back toward him. And when that happens, you will now be in a right relationship with God. That gap will be filled. You'll no longer feel that empty void. But more importantly, we can now enter a perfect kingdom of heaven the day that we leave this planet And we stand before God, the perfect, righteous, just judge of all the world. We are guilty of breaking his laws. We are guilty of creating the gap. But through the payment that Jesus Christ paid, he stepped into the courtroom. He paid the court in full. He closed the gap. And we can now enter into the kingdom of heaven forever and ever. So if you haven't taken time to consider your sin, to consider what Jesus Christ did, on that cross and how that was a legal transaction that when he says it is finished, it means he has now brought you to a right relationship with God. If you would receive that through repentance and faith, the gap will be closed. You will be
0: linked in Jesus and you will begin to live your life all for him.